Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. If you think the United States should be supporting Ukraine in the fight against Putin, raise your hand. So a couple of things, and I've said this multiple times, um, the president is uh, certainly deeply concerned about, uh, about the people in Maui uh, to, the, to the point where he has mobilized a whole-of-government approach here, uh, as he, he has done many times to deal with these wildfires in Hawaii uh, from the beginning. We, you've heard directly from the administrator from day one, FEMA has been on the ground dealing with this. There's more than 300 personnel, FEMA personnel. We've talked about uh, the 50,000 meals. We've talked about the 75,000 liters of water, uh, the thousands of cots uh, that are out there and blankets. And this is, there is more than a dozen, uh, a dozen federal agencies who are, who are dealing with this issue right now that, uh, uh, that we're currently seeing in Maui, and it is a devastating site. Uh, and the president uh, and the first lady has been very clear about uh, offering certainly their condolences and making sure that we continue this whole of government approach. That is not going to stop. The president has also committed to being there for the government of Hawaii, the people of Maui, uh, for as long as it takes. And sadly, we have seen this before. And so, uh, look, uh, you heard yesterday he received two updates from the FEMA administrator. Criswell was on, as, as she's on the ground, as you just heard, as the governor, uh, governor Green stressed yesterday as well, within six hours of receiving Hawaii's request, President Biden signed a major disaster declaration and ordered all available federal resources in the state to help with the response. And Governor Green described this as having provided amazing support for recovery, because the president was able to do that within uh, those six hours. Senator Horino, who I said the president spoke to uh, just last night, he thanked the president uh, for the immediate support of federal agencies have delivered for residents of Hawaii, um, and so does has uh, so has uh, Senator Shorts Shorts Shorts, um, and so. Um, Look, you heard them from the president. I'm going to quote him from what he said on Thursday, which is, "I've he's directed he's directed what we surge what we surge support of these brave brave firefighters and first responders, and emergency personnel working around the clock." He's, "I'm going to make sure the state has everything it needs from the federal government to recover because the president is deeply concerned uh, and is going to continue to be there for the people of Maui, the, the government of Hawaii, for as long as it takes, and that is his commitment." Should the, should the American people be seeing the president on the phone, working the phones, talking to officials, rather than seeing him on the beach? You all have gotten pool reports uh, on who the president has connected with. 
You all have heard from us when the president has talked to the governor, when the president, you heard from me when about talking to the senator, you heard directly from the administrator, uh, you know, and you've heard from the governor and the senators on the ground saying how much they appreciated the work of the federal government, the work from this president. And I think that matters. I think that matters that the folks who are on the ground, uh, the elected officials are saying that they're receiving the help that they need uh, to deal with this devastating issue. And that's what you're gonna continue to hear from this administration, and that's what you're gonna continue to see. Again, the administrator was there for two whole days, two whole days on the ground by the president's request to make sure that the government has what they have, the local government has what they have, the people of Maui have what they have, and that's what you're gonna see. When you talk about a dozen agencies on the ground helping and assisting, more than, six, more than uh, hundreds of FEMA, uh, FEMA personnel, that's what matters. That's what matters for uh, to make sure that they're actually seeing on the ground the people who know how to work this, who know how to deal with these type of devastating events, who can be helpful to them on the ground doing just that by the request of this president. Given what the administrator said about the perils of the president traveling to Hawaii now, um, does he want to travel there eventually to survey the damage and meet survivors? So obviously I don't have anything to announce at this time. Look, we're gonna continue to have conversations with the administrator, certainly the governor in, in Hawaii, on uh, what the opportunities might be, what that may look like uh, for a trip, but right now we just don't have anything to share. Any plans for him to speak publicly about the death toll? Uh, you'll hear from the president. Um, uh, you've heard from him already on Thursday. Certainly you'll hear from him, uh, you know, continuously this week as he's going to be traveling tomorrow. I just don't have anything to share uh, on that. But look, this is something that the president uh, clearly is deeply concerned about. Uh, that is why you heard we had the, uh, the administrator zoom in, right? clearly from, uh, from where she is in Hawaii, to talk directly to all of you, to take your questions. You heard from her, there's more than 300 personnel, FEMA personnel on the ground. Uh, there are more than a dozen federal agencies who are uh, taking actions, and that is including the Coast Guard, the U.S. Navy, you heard me say that at the top, the Department of Defense, uh, and uh, FEMA has staged more than 50,000 meals, 75,000 liters of water, and thousands of cots and blankets. And we're gonna continue to be available to them, we're gonna continue to do a whole of government response in Hawaii and Maui specifically to make sure that they have everything that they need. Um, and uh, look, you're going to continue uh, certainly uh, to hear from us on this issue. Has the president given any advice that he should not speak about Hawaii at this point? Because when he spoke the other day, he added that to planned remarks. The death toll is now roughly tripled. It's now the worst in history. Um, he had an opportunity, he could have stopped by to see us when he arrived back. Do you expect that he will have any kind of standalone comments about the new level of um, loss and devastation? So I, I could, uh, you could expect to hear from the president on this issue. Clearly it is uh, something that is deeply concerning to him when it comes to the, fire, the wildfires that we have seen in Maui. Uh, that's why we again had the administrator here. That's why she was on TV uh, the last couple of days talking, being on the ground. She can speak directly to this, right? Being on the ground. I'm asking about the president. No, I, I, no, I just said you'll, you'll hear from the president on this. I don't have anything to announce at this time, but certainly this is, he's the president, right? You're going to hear from him. You heard from him on Thursday. And then you've heard from uh, you heard from the administrator for the past several days, uh, and so what the president wants to make sure is that uh, is that Maui and has uh, 
the government of Hawaii has everything that they need uh, to support the people on the ground. It's been a devastating devastation, as we have seen. You've just mentioned uh, the loss of life. Uh, you just heard from the administrator who has said that uh, she has been on the ground for two whole days, and that we have been there since day one. Uh, you've you heard that there's 300 personnel on the ground, so this is something that the president takes very seriously. And you've heard from uh, from the governor of Hawaii saying how he appreciates uh, the efforts and what we've been able to do from the federal government. Of course, you're going to hear from the president. Don't have anything to share at this time. Uh, but let's not forget, we did hear from him on Thursday, right, when he was in Utah ahead of uh, talking about the PACT Act, which is, as you know, something uh, it was a year anniversary, an issue that is incredibly important to many Americans. And he took that time to, to speak to it. So I'm sure you'll be hearing from the president. Go ahead. We also want to make sure that we are getting all of the appropriate information out to survivors. So we are working with our state and local partners to ensure that our outreach and our messaging is also culturally responsive and that we can get messages out to people so they know what is available to them. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 19th of August, year of our Lord, 2023. I'm three days late, sorry. And another bout of... Uh, I'm not sick, they say, but I sure was sick. Um, so I kind of stayed off the mic. Good intro there. You know that that would be like really big news if uh, we had a media. You know, they, they would talk about how nobody's really for this Ukraine shit. And that the president of the United States really doesn't give a fuck about people dying on Hawaii, which is so interesting because I was going to cover it last show. And I pulled off because it was horrible. And uh, there was an article that had come out, of course, that was talking about how they were trying to say climate change, climate change, climate change, and, you know, never let a uh, uh, crisis go to waste shit. But it was so miserable and people's lives were destroyed and people died that I didn't even cover it. It seemed to be a subject you shouldn't cover. So I didn't. But, you know, it looks like the media is not going to either because they're just letting it go. Um, I got some stuff up front I'm going to play. This is going to be a totally unorganized podcast covering a bunch of different subjects, just trying to catch up. This one struck me. Um, this is some Aussie chick in America. I just wanted to play it. I'm just going to say it. There are too many American flags. Like, they're on houses. They're on cars. Saw them on couch cushions. Like, I don't know who's making these American flags, but they'd be making a bloody fortune. And, like, you're the only country that I know that does this. Like... The only time I think I've ever seen an Australian flag is like on the Harbour Bridge. Could not tell you what it looks like. Like I know it's like blue and it's got some stars on it. But I, I think I could draw the American flag from memory. Like I think I could make a bloody sculpture out of it. That's how many times I've seen it. It's enough. Let's pull back on it, okay? Let's stay humble. Yeah, that's what it's like to be in a real country, lady. 
And Aussies are good, man. The Aussie Warriors are fantastic. I mean, no disrespect, but that's it's your prerogative. But go back to Aussie, Aussie land. You don't even know what your flag looks like. It says you're just another hack who um, gets the benefit of living in a great country in Australia and coming to America. We let you come in here. Maybe we fucking shouldn't. Then this came down, and I I just think it's fucking hilarious. This is a senator talking about Biden touching his wife. When you got sworn in as senator, was he, like, hair-sniffing Gail or handsy with Gail? Or did I imagine Yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. I told him I'd kick the shit up. I told him to stop. So, yes. I think people are irked out about all the hair sniffing and things. We went overseas, and he especially took a long inhale. And I think women are skeeved out by that that st- stuff. And, and you know, he's not a good guy. Oh, you know him. I mean... Listen, he, he's... he's, he's I, I did know him. I, I spent a, quite a bit of time with him. I, I enjoyed his company. But that's not Joe Biden. He, he, this you, We all know the signs. My, yeah. My, uh, you know, uh, we all know people who have dementia and... And have the beginning of Alzheimer's, and, and you know he's got it. I mean, it's the walk, it's the way he's mumbling, his anger yeah. outbursts, and you know it's it's a shame uh, that we can't do better, as I said, uh, in this great country. But you know, a lot of people don't want to run because of everything you're seeing now. Yeah. Hey, you know, I might be imagining this, but did you when you were on the Herald Radio with us, probably seven years ago? When you got sworn in as senator, was he like hair sniffing Gail or handsy with Gail, or did I imagine? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. I told him I'd kick the shit up. I told him to stop. Did, so yes. <laughs> did you really go through it again, if you don't mind? No, no. It's it's old, it's old news. It's old news. It 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 it, uh, it is. Yes, he he didn't act the way I thought he should, and and you know we called him on it, and you know that's it. So, you called him on you know, it to yeah, his face, right there. Oh yeah. Right really. There, sure. Where's the hot mic for that one? <laughs> yeah, I know. Fucking awesome, man. A fucking that's uh, Senator Scott Brown, and uh, that that it just it just fucking sums up Biden. I mean, they just they let him get away with shit, and I I don't understand um, why. And then, you know, there's a lot of Trump shit. I'm not covering it because, you know, I'm not a Trump guy and I really don't give a fuck. And I wish he wasn't running because I would have loved to see Scott and uh, um, DeSantis run together on the same ticket. I think it would have been a really good ticket, but it's a clusterfuck now. And, you know, they're going to be doing uh, debates and shit pretty soon. I, uh... You know, I, I don't have a horse in the race. I'm just going to vote against Biden. But, you know, we're, we're doing this Georgia shit. I, I, th- there's a six-minute tape going on the Internet. I'm just going to play a little bit of it. But um, there was a person called Stacey Abrams. And I do have one very affirmative statement to make. We won. But I didn't lose. I got the votes. But we won't know exactly how many because of how they cheated. I did win my election. I just didn't get to have the job. We were robbed of an election. Using the word rigged, using the word steal, do you think it's dangerous going into 2020? I I don't, because we can actually back it up. And so in response to what I believe 
was a stolen election. Now, I'm not saying they stole it from me. They stole it from the voters of Georgia. In fact, someone outside asked if I'm ever going to concede. The answer is no. This is not a speech of concession. Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. And I will not concede because the erosion of our democracy is not right. People are like, It was not a free and fair election. I think the election was stolen from the people of Georgia. I believe it was stolen from the voters. Thousands of Georgians had their voices stolen because they were not able to cast ballots. And they cannot be guaranteed that their votes will be counted in 2020 if we don't do this right. If what happens to you happens nationally and we, we see uh, whoever runs for, whoever wins the Democratic nominee, if they say, actually, I can prove that there's a number of votes in every state that, that, and that, and that the same thing that you just described happens in multiple states, should they concede? I do not think we should concede an election until we know the results of an election. I still fundamentally believed it could be fair. And that's just not how life works. If it looks like it's cheating, it probably is. If it looks like it's rigged, it probably is. We've been raised to believe that it is invalid, in fact, it's uncouth i said that the election was stolen from georgia voters the process that took place during the legislative cycle was one that did not countenance and did not pay attention to the and i want us to remember that she literally rigged an entire voting system like redid it so they could win. So bad they had to go back and fix it. Because it was, it was fucking jacked. And we moved baseball games and said it was the worst thing ever, but more people voted for a longer period. Democrats still won. So let's just make sure that we keep in mind that we did not persecute her because she's a Democrat. Democrats are good. Republicans can't do what Democrats do because our media sucks and they won't call out the facts. So some military stuff this week. I saw this article, how the U.S. military became collateral damage in a fight over abortion rights. And this has been everywhere. And every time I turn around, you are seeing images of this fucking asshole. It's going to be a dick. Hold on. This guy, or Millie, or fucking Sekdev, running their cock traps about it. And I want you to remember, free birth control. That's all I have to say. It's checkmate. You really don't have anything else to say after that. Free birth control. There's no reason for a woman in the military to get pregnant when she doesn't want to. Because she has free birth control. She doesn't pay for shit. And the simple fact that you guys decided to say anybody who's got boobs and a vajayjay. Well, you don't even say that because you say there's no gender. So I don't even know how we classify this. I guess I could go in, you know, if I was still in and say, uh, I need special treatment, permissive TDY, and you need to pay for it because I need to go to California. Is that how it works? I don't know, but that's what you did. So people pushed back and said, no, no, that's not how it works. You can't just, you can't just take off when you fucking feel like it. I mean, that's not how it works. 
Sorry. Call the chain of command. Of course, there was this from Biden land. POTUS is personal for my family, but it's also personal for so many of you. The PACT Act. For the record, his son didn't die of burn pits. He got cancer. His son wasn't in theater. He wasn't around. He was a fucking officer. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. And for a guy like me, I didn't even do it. I called, but then I just waved off because I know too many guys that go back for things and then they lower their disability rating. And right now, because I'm still sick and unemployed, don't have a fucking job, I can't afford to lose any money. So I didn't even do the pack pack, even though I was right next to a burn pit like for months. But I'm not, no, not doing it. Not gonna. Wouldn't be prudent. I don't think I grabbed this. We're going to grab this right now. And and by no means is this surprising. Um, this is how it works when you're a lefty. You can just outright fucking lie. New report shows Pentagon officials lied in testimony about Afghanistan withdrawal. In the wake of Afghanistan withdrawal, President Joe Biden attempted to deflect blame from his administration, claiming he was forced to withdraw because of Trump and shit. But a new report shows the Taliban violated every aspect of the Doha agreement and invalidated it, meaning Biden was not obligated to do it. But once again, we wanted to have victory. If I were to ever have my time to do a video, I would get the most heinous rock I could find and or maybe play a perfect circle by and down because the lyrics are Pied Piper wrote us down the Whit River. And I would show Bush, mission accomplished, Obama in front of a bunch of tanks saying, we, I got Osama, I got Osama Bin Laden. And then uh, images of Biden looking at his watch as the 13 people that he allowed to get killed because he let the Taliban pull the outer security cord on, which is fucking insane. He made a president lie that the country was secure and the Taliban had taken most of it and uh, pretty much was a piece of fucking shit. So, uh, yeah, I'd most likely play those images because they all lied, all of them. We have had photo ops for key things just because we want to have our moment and use it for re-election. That, that's, that's what it's about. We don't, we don't care that soldiers died. We don't care about any of that shit. That, that shit doesn't matter. Why would that shit matter? Why we gave the country back to the same motherfuckers that had the country. Works for me. And the worst part about it is what I harp about on this show all the time. I think about every day as I'm doing my three-mile walks. So I don't fucking vomit because I have horrible medical coverage as a retiree, and they don't want to treat me, so they pass me off to the next motherfuckers who don't even have time to give me a... It's taken me 10 days to find out that they don't have telemed, and they're trying to get me squeezed in. 
That's what I was told yesterday, which I'll never hear from again. But um, nearly 117,000 fucking people have committed suicide through all this while you guys have just walked the fuck away. It's just carnage. And now, not in slides, Advocacy Group targets race consideration in military academy admissions. That's nice. That's nice. That, that's the priority. But to my point, we've spent so much time um, deflecting. So here is a video of President Biden just this week saying, name one mission that I haven't accomplished. And that piece of shit, Secretary of State, saying that Afghanistan was okie-dokie artichokey. Name me a single objective we've ever set out to accomplish that we've failed on. Name me one in all of our history. Not one. have some enduring commitments when it comes to Afghanistan. Um, those haven't changed. Um, we want to make sure that we continue to make good on any American citizens who happen to be uh, in Afghanistan and who wish to depart. And uh, as you know, uh, we brought back uh, virtually all of the American citizens who said they wanted to depart in the, in the course of the withdrawal, and that effort continued uh, well after and continues to this day, and I believe uh, some uh, 900 or so uh, additional American citizens who told us at one point or another that they wanted to leave, uh, we've um, made sure could get home. Um, at the Fuck me running, I... Uh... I just get angry. Uh, it's just... Um, there, there, there's no words. I don't have um, any words. I, I can't articulate how fucking angry all this stuff makes me at times. Um, granted, you know, I have way too much time on my hands because um, I'm unemployed. I don't really have a life other than uh, writing the good times when I'm not sick and then drugging the shit out of myself so I'll go to sleep early every night and not have to get sick because I'm getting hungry when I go to bed and I get all fucked up. Um, 20 fucking years of my life. I mean, this intestinal shit started then, man. It was Afghanistan. I got fucking sick of shit over there and, and never came back. I would have, I guess, what they call IBS-D. For like three years, I'd eat a meal, and it was a joke. We, we'd go to breakfast. I would do my usual plate-o-meat. Bacon and sausage, golden corral, that was it. Not a good diet. We'd go to uh, Belk and walk around. I'd walk in the door. We're talking this is like a minute drive because it's in the parking lot of the mall. And I'd go, see ya. And I'd go straight to the bathroom. And it would all come out. All of it. Just wouldn't even stay in me. That was like for three years. And then it was just temporary. It would be every once in a while it hit me. But it was there because my digestive system was fucked. But that's just that, you know. The, the bad back knees that's a whole career I probably would have had it in any job so I, I don't blame the military for that but the mental shit of losing so many people 
being so many times close to fucking biting the bullet. I don't say that casually. There were so many times I was not mentally well, especially in California. Those two years in that trailer fucked my head up, and I didn't get fixed until Scott Carl, my dear friend in life, was my dear friend in death and healed me because I finally cried and let it all out and actually acknowledged people died and acknowledged that I had some guilt living and acknowledged that I had some fear from war that I never really wanted to acknowledge. That fixed me. But every day I walk in a memorial, people are dead. Just panels of granite just in the last 20 years. Yes, my last, my destination is the Pylon, uh, Rakasan Memorial. It's a whole wall of everybody who died in World War II in Korea. But even there for the Rakasans, there's a pylon with four sides and a top. One of them's young girl I met. Horrible story. I don't remember which rotation she hit an IED and they couldn't get her out. Everybody else got out, but they couldn't get her out. She was pinned in the vehicle and the vehicle caught on fire and it was full of ammo. I remember seeing her. I had donated um, to the family support of the Roxons. We had bought a bunch of turkeys. It's when I was rich. I felt guilty, you know, not really rich, but you know, I felt rich. And I was so fucking guilty about it. So we donated all this shit. Nameless, because if you donate and tell people you donate, then you're not really doing it for them. You're doing it for yourself. And I remember talking to her, and she was beautiful. She was just this beautiful young girl. And I, I it, it hit me, because I was like, well, her life's got to be shit, because, you know... <laughs> She's in an infantry battalion full of fucking, excuse the euphemism, hard dicks that are probably banging on her every 10 seconds. Hey, LT, because she was really pretty. Um, so I knew her. There's not a lot of females in an infantry regiment. She was in battalion or brigade headquarters. And I only found out about the story because one of my soldiers came back and I delivered some helmet lights to my old company but it wasn't my old company because they'd reflagged everything and it was a different company and I saw him as an E6 already and this was maybe I've been out three years maybe four I don't know I don't even think that was that long so we started talking and he had a lot of mental problems he'd, he'd seen too much you know he went to Afghanistan with me uh, when uh, OEF one, and by then he'd had four rotations or three rotations in Iraq, seen way too much, had gray hair. He was an E two when I knew him in two thousand three. So he told me that story one night. We were talking on the phone, drinking together. And he had to walk around a burning corpse that ended up being fully 
burned and charred, and he had to smell it. That was his whole night. They guarded it. Till they could get something to open the vehicle and get her body out. Or get a record as to pick it up and take it back. Lost track of him. My fault. I uh I went off the deep end and just kind of stopped talking to people because my brain wasn't right and their stories were mixing with my stories and my bullshit that wasn't as important as theirs. Should have made theirs more important and I just stopped listening. So I just didn't answer phones. Why do I bring that up? That's one guy. 0.45%, that's four tenths, four and a half tenths of a percentage point fought in these wars. And of that 0.45%, or four and a half tenths of a percent, 117,000 of them committed suicide because they have those stories stuck in their heads. They have horror in their head and it doesn't come out. You can talk about it, but it doesn't really come out. You know, my one thing that happened in combat scares the shit out of me to this day. It doesn't come out. It's still there. I just learned to live with it. Thanks to Scott. But I still can't stand hearing a morning dove. And I went to war 22 fucking years ago. That's a long time. But that fucking bird fucks me up, and I think it's a goddamn mortar. Still there. So we have all these people, and then you have the people that are visibly fucked up, missing limbs, burned. We just walked away. Mission accomplished. 13 dead Marines, people falling out of wheel wells. We just walked away. It's like it didn't happen. It's like Servpro fucking came the fuck in and just sucked it all up. Bye-bye. But they want to fix the National Guard. I fucking did really horrible on the, these slides today. Jesus. Pentagon plans to shake up D.C.'s National Guard, criticized for response to protests January 6th. So we're blaming the National Guard because they didn't get called up by Pelosi because they needed this because she brought a film crew because they knew it was going to happen. No, I'm not mega. It doesn't take a Captain Crunch decoder to figure this shit out. You know, it, it, it just doesn't. None of it. You don't need to be an educated man. I'm not an educated man. I'm just a regular old dude. And tied into it because it's, you know, we're gonna we're gonna hamstring the fucking shit out of the National Guard now. Nets ignore January 6th committee destroyed evidence. So let me get this straight. 
The Hillary investigation, they burned all their shit to phones, the whole nine yards. Mueller, that, that, uh, then Mueller did it, but the first Mueller, or that was that Comey, it was Comey. So they destroyed all their shit looking into Hillary. And then the Mueller destroyed all their shit looking into Trump because they probably found shit about Hillary. And then we found out later that Hillary was actually in Ukraine. And then we do January 6th and we find out the whole thing was just to get Trump not elected and shit. But yeah, the National Guard. So I'm going to play Jesse Waters. I can't stand this fuckhead. But he's right. The January 6th committee has just been caught cold, orchestrating a massive illegal cover-up. Trump is headed for trial next year for January 6th related charges, and he's going to have subpoena power which gives him the right to access critical documents and videos pertaining to the time period. That means the January 6th committee, whose two-year investigation produced thousands and thousands of documents, transcripts, and hours and hours of deposition videos, the good, the bad, and the ugly, will be legally required to turn over whatever materials Trump requests. And as you know, primetime does not believe in coincidences. Yesterday. We uncovered the January 6th committee has destroyed almost 50% of their evidence. The Democrat-run January 6th committee is missing one and a half terabytes of data. This is an enormous amount of material. Records of the Capitol Hill security failures, video of Trump cabinet depositions, emails, text messages, gone. And who knows what else they deleted. Remember, the January 6th committee only aired and only reported what Democrats wanted you to know about January 6th. Anything they didn't want you to know about the 6th wasn't made public, and it looks like it was destroyed. We might never get to the bottom of January 6th because the January 6th committee destroyed their evidence. This has never happened before in Congress. The Benghazi committee, the 9-11 committees, all of that evidence is warehoused. None of it was deleted. Now, once the congressional investigations completed, all of the information is transferred to the archives. And congressional sources tell primetime that losing or destroying committee evidence is not at all common practice. And it's also a crime to destroy congressional documents. It's a felony. That means the January 6th committee, if Trump wins this election, could be charged with felonies for destroying congressional materials. Now, for two years, Democrats conveyed to us they only care about two things, preserving documents and January 6th. So why would they destroy January 6th documents? And why do Democrats continue to get away with destroying evidence? Hillary acid washes emails and takes hammers to iPhones. Obama's IRS accidentally erased records. And in a vicious legal twist, Biden's prosecutor, Jack Smith, cracked into Donald Trump's Twitter account. Smith got a search warrant from Obama-Biden D.C. judges, and Elon Musk handed over Trump's Twitter account. And no one told Trump. It was all done in the dark. For, For the record, this is how countries fall apart. This is how you have civil wars. This is how you have complete breakdown of any trust in any system, because it doesn't take a degree in economics, fucking politics, you, you, you don't even need a high school education. 
as a normal American non-affiliated to either of these fucked up parties who doesn't want either one of these cocksuckers to be president, nor pretty much any representative is up there to be a representative of anything right now because it couldn't run a goddamn taco stand, let alone this country. You don't have to really do any math on this. It's obvious. We have two different forms of justice. We have two different political parties that could do two different things. You accuse one of trying to overthrow an election while the other one has tried to overthrow every fucking election in my lifetime. I won't list them. I know it's annoying. It, just every one. When have the Democrats ever acknowledged an election they lost? Name one. Because they haven't. And then they've set out to try to ruin whoever won it. I mean, from Bush and WMDs to Trump. I mean, come on, people. This is how you lose a country. A country built on we the people getting information from our media to make informed decisions to do our voting. But we don't get any of that. None of it. We get force-fed a steady stream of fucking misinformation. Army, Navy, Marine Corps, sexual harassment, bullying, hazing, response under investigation by Pentagon watchdog. Uh, not enough. We, we've stopped thinking about China and the war we're fighting with Russia because we actually have guys on the ground. Yeah. Worried about that shit. Sikh, who challenged Marine grooming requirement, graduates from basic training. I'm going to show this picture because the, 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 uh, mm. Mm. it just, it, it fucking hurts my pancreas. That's what I'm trying to say if I could get back to it. understand when I was in the military, I couldn't have a St. Christopher or a cross. You could have no religious affiliation. But now, because of Democrats, you have uh, Jewish kibbats, I think that's what it's called. They're, they're little hats. Muslim stuff. I mean, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. New York Magazine. Pelosi was essential and exquisitely beautiful in Trump's January 6th indictment. Hmm. And since we're getting ready to vote again, you have PBS documentary. I'm not going to play it. GOP trying to reinstitute many of the barriers to voting. What barriers? You, you don't list it. You just say it. New York Times uh, bashes GOP for criticizing courts and the FBI and the military. So I, I just want you to remember that in my lifetime, the party that did nothing but bash it, um, yeah, that's Democrats, in case you're confused. 
And before I go into this nice little montage, which we're about to play, because this is you're getting a fresh dose of this shit. It's election time, so we have a fresh dose of just brainwashing and craziness. This is a Democrat influencer. Everything is effing expensive. Why? Hmm. I don't know. It could be because we've spent so much time saying that the economy is fan-fucking-tastic and Biden's the greatest thing since liquid tide with fucking bleach. So here is just three out of the billion I could have played. Sticking to Matt, Matt O in Oregon, trying to keep the sound bites down. Going to have a climate one where they actually say the president is a centrist. But the climate shit is why our inflation's going crazy on fuel and shit. So I, I'd like to have a point of order on that. And then you have three sound bites about how motherfucking great the economy is. You will see a hear a bullshit spacer. Because then we're going to have Morning Joe say that if Donald Trump gets elected, well, Morning Joe will get taken off the air. It's election time. Here we go. Let's just all out lie. And now the White House Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, she said that the president was referring to the Defense Production Act and authorities he invoked under that to spur clean energy manufacturing of solar panels, for example. But a national emergency would invoke a whole set of different authorities, including restricting exports, for example, of oil, uh, and also giving the president the power to stop some uh, oil drilling on federal lands. Now, climate activists, many of them have been calling on the president to do just that. He has talked about the possibility, but he hasn't yet. We should note, of course, that the president has also been endorsed by a series of other climate change groups uh, that support what he's been doing on this issue. Dana. And that's really the, one of the key reasons why uh, you're drawing attention to this. And obviously that reporter asked the president about it is because of uh, the lobbying by a lot of climate groups to do this because of what would happen, what that would unlock uh, for the uh, government to be able to do. Thank you so much for that reporting and putting it in context, Jeremy. Appreciate it. And our reporters are here as well. Um, you know, I thought that was very interesting that the, the, the president is obviously trying to lean into this issue. That's why he's uh, out west doing an interview on the Weather Channel. And when he said, yes, practically speaking, you know, he obviously wants to, to do a lot, but it's, it's complicated because, yes, if you declare a national emergency, um, some things will happen, but it also could be detrimental in other ways, potentially, potentially, uh, to some economic factors. That's right. And that's always, I think, where Democrats have found themselves on this issue. They've wanted to do more. Uh, they, they wanted to be more progressive. Uh, but sort of the economic reality and the political reality has often tied their hands. You know, uh, Biden, he's kind of a centrist when it comes to what he's done on climate policy. He, he's, he gives and he takes, right? There are things that progressives have liked, the investments in, in clean energy. But then he sort of broke the promise on fossil fuels. Uh, so he's out there trying to, to sell his record, particularly this is important to young voters and certainly progressive voters, uh, folks he's going to need in, in November of 2024 if he wants. All right, this just in, the July inflation report. CNN business correspondent Rahel Solomon is here with the numbers. All right, what do we learn? Good morning. So this is a nuanced inflation report. So at face value, it actually looks like an acceleration. But let me put this in context. So headline inflation came in at 3.2 percent 
on an annual basis, which appears to be an acceleration, but it is actually what economists call a base effects. Essentially, this has a lot to do with what inflation was doing a year ago, right? So I think the monthly picture actually gives us a better sense of what inflation is actually doing. So you can see inflation held steady at 0.2% on a monthly basis. 90% uh, of that increase was shelter. 90% of that was shelter. When you look at uh, sort of core inflation, which strips away categories like energy, which can be really volatile, or food, which can be really volatile, uh, that also remains steady at 0.2% on a monthly basis. On an annual basis, that came in at 4.7%. I want to show you some of the categories that we as consumers deal with the most. You can see gasoline prices over the last year or so have fallen quite precipitously, about 20%. Uh, food prices, 4.9%, and shelter uh, still higher by 7.7%. So what we're seeing in this report, again, shelter prices still high, but we saw some declines in areas like airline fares, used cars and trucks, medical care. So still seeing some declines. It's a moderating inflation picture, uh, despite what the headline looks like. What does this mean for the Fed? The Fed meets next month. They still have a lot more reports between now and that. They have another jobs report. They have more inflation reports. But I will say that a report like this, Citibank, for example, put out a report this morning saying that if, in fact, we saw core CPI, core inflation coming in at 0.2%, it would give the Fed some, some credibility, some, some evidence to perhaps pause next month. So take that for what you will. I mean, we still have a few more weeks left, but... Maybe a pause? Maybe. Maybe. All right. Saying there's a chance. That's what you're saying. Today, um, let's talk about uh, the economic numbers and the long game for yeah. Biden economics, um, or Bidenomics, Bidenomics, as I call it. Yeah. He, he's touring the West, you know, trying to say, here's what the, the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, is doing. Here's how it's helping people. Trying to run on economics, but it's not yet translating into higher poll numbers. What, it, what is the long game? I think the long game is making sure people know what they see, what the administration anyway sees as the benefits of this economy. And the numbers today sort of help them. I mean, as you said in your intro, it's not great news when inflation keeps going up, but it's, it's not, not as bad, bad as it news. was. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see Wall Street reacting very positively to it because they think this means the Fed isn't going to, to raise interest rates more. I think from a political perspective, the Biden administration, the president, his people want the American people to feel like the economy is getting better. And that's been their challenge. Unemployment is so low. Yes. We have been warding off a recession. Inflation is easing. It's so expensive at the grocery store. And if President Biden doesn't take the credit, former President Donald Trump, the leading GOP presidential contender, will. Anything that's good that's happening with the economy, it's only because they're running on the fumes of what we built. You understand that? They're running on the fumes, but those fumes can't last much longer. Trump is the only president since Herbert Hoover to leave office with fewer jobs in the country than when he started. And the Biden campaign expressed confidence Bidenomics is working, telling NewsHour, we are running an aggressive campaign and will be communicating the choice Americans have in this race between President Biden's experienced leadership while drawing a contrast with the deeply unpopular and twice-rejected MAGA agenda, focused on tax giveaways to the ultra-rich. It's a contrast both campaigns will hammer in the months to come. For the PBS NewsHour, I'm Laura Barone-Lopez. Do you not understand that if Donald Trump wins, nothing else matters because it's over?
Morning Joe might act, just to take a little example, Morning Joe might not exist anymore because Donald Trump has said, as all autocrats say, what they will do. And he has said, if I'm elected, I want the FCC reporting directly into me. And he will cancel the show. I mean, you need to think that, <clears throat> excuse me, that extreme. It's over. Freedom is over if Donald Trump gets elected. It's that simple. No other issue matters. Every other issue sprinkles down from that. However you feel about the economy, however you feel about whatever issue you're dealing with, we turn into an autocracy. What our forefathers fought for 250 years ago is over. That's what's at stake at this election. Everything else is a sub. I then have to play this. This aired this week, and um, my God and freaking heaven, it is just... It has been seven fucking years since Hillary Clinton lost. And all we see is Hillary Clinton. She gets to come on and say she was fucked and robbed and screwed over so many fucking times. It literally hurts my pancreas. And I do know where my pancreas is because I'm scared I have pancreatic cancer through this whole thing. So I know it's behind my stomach. And it does hurt there. One of the things that we have learned by living it in these past few years is that democracy needs the trust of the people. That's right. That um, the system of democracy at its heart is the idea that the people get to decide how we are governed. And if we, be- if we no longer believe that our will is effectuated through the system, if bad actors tell us falsely that every election is stolen and that the only way an election is... Uh, trustworthy as if they come out on top of it, um, then something, it's, it, it's, it tells you something not just about that person or that moment. It maybe wounds us as a democracy and in a way that is hard to repair. Mm-hmm. What do you think about how we get better um, after the wounds that have been inflicted on us through this process? Well, I think, you know, the truth matters. Um, I think having these cases be brought and be brought in such professional manners. We'll see how they unfold. Obviously, uh, the trials, um, if there are trials, are going to be critically important. But the article you mentioned that I published about the weaponization of loneliness really does, in my view, point to the larger cultural concerns. Joe Biden is overseeing an economy that's had the, uh, you know, the lowest peacetime unemployment since World War II lowest levels of poverty, lowest levels of uninsured, um, uh, people uninsured in terms of health insurance ever in the history of the country. Um, And you just said laudatory things about him in terms of the kinds of leadership that he's modeling. And yet, um, you know, this is where this is going. I do. Um, His his approval ratings aren't strong and his prospects for reelection are sort of middling at best. What do you see as the disconnect there? Look, I I think... It is true that a lot of people in our country don't even know what he's done. And part of that is they don't get their news from MSNBC. They get their news from social media, if they get any news at all. They don't have the kind of uh, information that would give them confidence in knowing what their government is doing. We have this bizarre situation where bridges are being built and roads are being fixed and people who didn't vote for the money to do that are claiming credit for it. And how are citizens supposed to make up their minds? So we have a splintered information ecosystem which really works to the disadvantage of somebody who is not a performer 
uh, in a political theater sense, but as a producer in a political results sense. You know, how long can you talk about infrastructure? It gets boring. Let's change and talk about, you know, Donald Trump or one of these other people who do nothing but give us negative messages, because that is so much more exciting. But we had this weird spectacle um, during the Women's World Cup where former President Trump, with all his problems, took time out of his busy schedule and all his pending trials to root against the U.S. women's national team and to single out individual players and sort of call in the, you know, two minutes hate against them. He said last week in an apparently unscripted moment that he would much prefer to live in France than to live in the United States. That could be arranged. <laughs> I don't know if France would take him, maybe Belarus. But um, there, there is an, a sense where it is becoming just this increasingly overt, non-ironic thing where he just talks about how much he hates America and how terrible America is. And when you say rooting for America's adversaries, I know you're thinking about, you know, geopolitical consequences, but I'm actually thinking about him rooting against American athletes. I played all that because that is just everything that's wrong with our media. Just fucking everything you could ever Ever, 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 ever think that is wrong. Why is she on the news? Why is she being able to speak? We're indicting a former president because that former president supposedly tried to rig an election. The person they're talking to went to Ukraine to get dirt on him, paid for a fake dossier which led to a complete breaking of every law you can fucking think of, all right? Just every fucking law. They wiretapped an opponent. Just, just take that and think about that for a second. I want you to really think about that. Do you think we'd ever see that in our lifetime? And then they spent his entire presidency saying he was a Russian stooge and then they did a whole investigation, spent millions of dollars, told a fucking lie. They knew it was a fucking lie before they even fucking started it, but they kept doing it because, you know, they they had to fucking slow him down and, and make sure he didn't do anything because they didn't want him to be in charge of shit. They blocked every fucking thing he ever fucking proposed. They even had the gall to stop him from sealing the border because they had their plan with, you know, Biden or Hillary was supposed to win and it was probably Obama plan because let's be honest, Obama's running everything. Uh, we were going to let everybody in because then we never lose elections. And that's really all it's about. You know, it's just all about elections. You know, we have to win elections and we win elections by letting illegals vote. I mean, they're going to do it. They're pushing for it. They believe they have the rights to do it. They believe that because they live in the country, they should be able to. And I I totally disagree, but I mean, that, that's, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. That's the, that's the flow of what the left wants to do. But you can on the other side. He has been wiped off everything because he lost the election and he was inciting violence.
violent. He, he, this is actually from this week. AP. Um, shit, I lost it. Basically saying another example of violent rhetoric. Another example of violent rhetoric. How about Floyd? All cops are bastards. Is that violent rhetoric? Kill all cops? I don't know. Could be me. Maybe I'm the fucking crackhead. I don't... I, I, it's how you lose a country. That's, I, I'm going to keep saying that. I, I'll be saying it till election. This is how we, we lose a country. We just... We lose a country um, because we, we can't for one second have any standards from our media. Um, we're, we're letting one side do whatever the fuck they want. The other sides can't do what they want. And then we have 100% proof that Biden, just the video of Biden about Ukraine, just, just take that. I don't care what party you're on. I don't care what your politics are. Just that video. That's proof. It's 100% proof. He was part of it. He knew about it. He took money from foreign countries. This is the media this week. 11 times on CNN saying it's all bullshit. And then the other networks. Literally knowingly lying about a real scandal. Hunter Biden. I am politics. The media jerk off of the week. So let's take it now to our chief White House correspondent, Mary Bruce. Mary, the president and first lady have uh, been very careful about what they have said about this investigation and and what they have said about their son. They just say they support him. They love him. Uh, But does this change that? Do they now need to say more? Will they say more? Well, look, the the White House, this president certainly had hoped they were moving past all of this. And we have long seen the president and the White House stress the independence of this investigation. You'll often hear them say that the president has never discussed this case with the attorney general. And the president is well aware that this has become a political lightning rod. He doesn't want to say anything that is going to give fuel to the Republicans, fuel to his critics who have been eager to pounce on this issue, which is why you have heard the president not comment at all on the substance of these invest of this investigation, but rather simply always reiterate his support for his son. We know that Joe Biden is a devoted father. He has stood by Hunter throughout his struggles with addiction throughout this investigation, always adamant that he did nothing wrong. And it is important to note that, you know, after five years of investigating so far, they have not brought any charges linked to Hunter's business dealing 
filings, anything to substantiate the Republican claims about Hunter's business contacts. And of course, we have not seen any smoking gun at all, despite uh, this investigation and the investigations on the Hill that is connect this back to the president at all. And the White House insists that Biden wasn't in business with his son. But obviously, there is still more to investigate here. And the president's hopes that they were turning a page on this, well, that's not happening. A second out to Chief Washington Correspondent John Carl. John, does this mean there could be more evidence, or does this just give Weiss more independence to do his investigation? And then how is that going to fold in to the upcoming election and just the credibility of the president? This certainly raises the question of why. Why did Weiss decide to ask for this after just a couple of weeks ago he was trying to wrap it all up with a plea deal? Was there more evidence? Certainly that's a question Republicans are going to be asking. This will add fuel to that fire on Capitol Hill. Say They will say that they were right about the seriousness of this. It also uh, raises questions about how long this is now going to go. The allegations, without evidence, mostly, that Republicans have out there. There has been no corroboration. There's no evidence there. I mean, you would agree we don't have, there's no evidence of that at all. Republicans get riled up and keep making allegations that at this point uh, have not been substantiated with evidence. So far, there is no evidence that the evidence has come out. They don't have evidence mm -hmm. to show that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Comer's said that repeatedly. He's like, well, I hope we find evidence. And of course, they present that without clear evidence. So if there was evidence that they had accumulated in their four to five year investigation, this request to be a special counsel would have come already. It seems unlikely that, that, that they have that kind of evidence. David Weiss has been working on this for five years. In five years. Five years is enough time. Wrap it up. If you can't wrap it up, you need to tell me what the solution is. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer now says that he intends to subpoena members of the Biden family as Republicans ramp up calls for an impeachment inquiry. In a memo released Wednesday, Comer accuses Biden of a bribery scheme worth $20 million. But when pressed by CNN's Jake Tapper for evidence on claims that Biden financially benefited from his son's foreign business dealings, here's how Comer responded. This is why we're investigating, and it's difficult, Jake. It's very difficult. The, the Biden attorneys are obstructing. They're intimidating witnesses. The DOJ will not cooperate with us. The FBI will not cooperate with us. The IRS will not cooperate with us. CNN's Zachary Cohen is with us now from Washington. So what, if anything, supports these claims from Comer? Yeah, good morning, Victor and Poppy. Look, this memo is based on bank records that the committee obtained through subpoena, and uh, they targeted individuals who they know were doing business with Hunter Biden. But what it really shows is that Republicans on the House Oversight Committee intend to accuse the president of corruption without any direct evidence to support that claim. Now, that's a shift from what we've seen from the House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer just about a week and a half ago when he was asked by Sean Hannity on Fox News directly. He goes, do you have proof that Joe Biden took a bribe? Take a look at what Comer said then. I sure hope so. And I, I do believe that uh, there's a lot of smoke. And where there's smoke, there's fire. 
So now Comer saying, well, we don't need the proof to be able to throw the accusations out there. And of course, this comes as Republicans are pushing um, the potential impeachment of the president, too, based on these allegations. So Republicans moving forward without really having shown the goods to back up the claims that they're putting out in public. Yeah, and Manu Raju reporting the Republicans privately are saying that uh, impeachment inquiry is a foregone conclusion. Yeah. We'll see if uh, they'll get there in the fall. Zachary Cohen, thank you. You know why they're thinking that way? Because they've been fed a steady diet, anti-Hunter Biden, anti-Biden family diet for months, if not years, and trying to equate what's happening with the president's son to what's happening with the former president of the United States, who now has three indictments against him for very serious crimes, two, two of them, and maybe uh, another one coming next week. So they're, they're, they're not equivalent, but when you get that steady diet of anti-Hunter Biden news from a particular uh, cable network, I get why they think, you know, what took them so long. Well, David, this is why it's worth looking at the Republican response to that appointment today. We saw former President Trump has already issued a statement questioning the independence of David Weiss. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy also tweeted that House Republicans will not only continue their own investigations and their own probes into Hunter Biden, but he also added this. If Weiss negotiated the sweetheart deal that couldn't get approved, how can he be trusted as a special counsel? It's worth pointing out Weiss was appointed by former President Trump. He was, a, he was confirmed by a Republican-led Senate. Why so much mistrust? Why this message from Republicans? Well, the Republicans are mistrustful. Of, you can imagine from their point of view, it's political administration, you know, and I, trying to defend the son of the president. I mean, that, that story sort of tells itself. You know, I guess a couple things to, about this uh, position. First. Uh, it can't be good news for the White House because a couple weeks ago it seemed like this thing was all going to peter out in a, in a deal. And now apparently the, the investigation is going to go on for some significant amount of time or else they wouldn't have done this. Mm -hmm. So that means the story still lives. The second thing uh, is that, uh, you know, I don't, in the plea deal it was about gun charges and tax charges. Right. I don't really, those don't seem like the big deal here. The big deal is Hunter Biden made a lot of money telling people he was going to peddle influence. Did he peddle influence? And that seems to me the core question that I would like to see somebody answer. And uh, reporters have gone into this, and they have found he received money. They haven't found any evidence that he's peddled influence. But I think that's what I'd like to see is investigated. Wow. Okay, I want to turn to something that happened on Fox News today when Washington correspondent Jillian Turner called out Republican Congressman Nick Langworthy. Watch this. There has not been produced a smoking gun, clear-cut, undeniable proof of the president's involvement with his son's foreign business deals. What do you say to that? Well, we, we've never claimed that we have direct money going to the president. That is precisely the claim uh, that the chairman of your committee, James Comer, and also Jim Jordan, have made many times on the public record. Well, there you have it, Stuart. We always say it on this show. The truth matters, but only if you hear it. And Jillian Turner, right there on Fox News, delivered the cold, hard truth. But are any Republicans listening? Well, look, I think this whole idea that you're going to run a campaign based on Hunter Biden's laptop, is like elect me president of the United States because of Hunter Biden's laptop. I mean, just think about how absurd that is, how little it has to do with anybody's life. Um, 
you know what the, the problem here is that Republicans don't have any policy. There's really no conservative governing philosophy of America that they can articulate. I mean, you ask Elizabeth Warren how to govern. Say what you will about it. She, can, she has a theory. It's consistent. You may hate it. You may love it. But she can argue with you. Republicans have just collapsed on that. And, and they're really, what are the ideas? I mean, this is what happened in 20. And this is what happened in uh, 22. When you, you know, what are you getting now? Why do they want to be president? Why do they want to lead the country? To, to investigate Hunter Biden's laptop? I mean, it, it's just sort of a basic hollowness and absurdity that doesn't resonate with average people that are going about their lives trying to have somebody that helps them live a better life. You know, um, yeah, that's bullshit, all right? That, that's just fucking bullshit. There's not even a shadow of a doubt anymore. There's proof of emails, visiting White House, bank records. I mean, this isn't bullshit. He fucking knew. He was the big guy, and we're doing nothing about it. Because Republicans know what, what can they do? You can't, you can't impeach president if the media is not going to back it. The Republicans went down this road before. They did with Clinton. Clinton should have been impeached because he lied outright, under oath. All right. So high crimes, misdemeanors. That's it. Not you. Kind of might have said something wrong on a phone call. That's what we impeached before. You said things that could have been construed and it led to a riot. No, this is actually breaking the fucking law. We have proof that his fucking son smoked crack. For fuck's sake. Anyway. Um, gonna go to our woke. We got a tranny talking, a person hawking boob stuffs, and two videos. I've cut them down because it's it's really long, and I'm sorry, but... This is good shit, you know, what we are protesting and book bans and schools. It's just a funny video. Another one I cut down. Me and the wife have been bored lately. We've been going and looking at a guy named Glock. It's really good. And another guy that does trips of towns. I'm going to feature him in a second um, for our lighter fare. It's really good um, content because you, fuck, I learn a lot about my own area. I mean, because he went to some towns that, you know, we've never been to, and it, it was interesting, especially crime statistics and everything. So um, I'm going to play these ones, and then uh, I'm going to set up the next ones because they're just kismet. Turn it up. Turn it on. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. Gender is like the inside filling of a donut. 
You can't tell what's on the inside just by looking at the outside. Let's take this jelly-filled donut, for example. Usually donuts that look like this are filled with raspberry jam, but it could be strawberry or rhubarb. We just don't know. The same logic applies to babies. You can't know a baby's gender until they're old enough to tell you themselves. Sure, you can make an educated guess, but why risk being wrong? This is exactly why gender reveal parties are so silly. It's like celebrating this chocolate donut for having vanilla cream filling when it could have banana pudding inside. In a perfect world, we just celebrate the donut, not the filling inside. Maybe we even give babies gender-neutral names to start so that there's no expectation of a gender they're supposed to live up to. Maybe we give them choices along the way so that they can figure it out for themselves. Like, what kind of clothes do you want to wear or what kind of toys do you want to play with? Maybe kids get to have their own gender reveal party so that they can tell the world themselves. This test binder is the yes. best thing I've ever lucky, bought. Lucky. It works with any outfit. I, taste good, but I, just had the I think that the mom needs to be able to decide. And I know that's a cop out to say that, but... But should she legally be able to decide a day before birth. Yeah. Is this why you record for stupid shit like this? You guys are disgusting. And now she's going up to the cops, I guess. I don't know what's happening. My body is my body, and I have the right Be to careful. do whatever she's I need to for that. Who's a predator? Who's a predator? Is there someone behind me? Okay. Is there someone behind me? No. She either pointed at me or you, and she doesn't even know me. I don't she know. Says, her. I don't know her either. I don't think you're a predator. Continue. We I'm are sorry. Not you... Predators. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry that you got interrupted <laughs> like, with that. that. Is she with? Maybe. Is she with know. that group? Well, she's standing there, so I have no idea. Oh, okay. Anyway. anyway. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe she wasn't talking to us. <laughs> this is a prime example of. Yeah, you're going to experience different things here, and there's going to be people saying <laughs> random things, but at the end of the day. You make your own joy. Yeah. You do. True, true. DeSantis, back to him. I don't feel like as a woman you could vote for him because all I can think of is okay, this is very personal, but I'm going to share. We have our kids, I have a lot of health issues, and I've already been told that if I ever got pregnant again, we would have to choose between my life or my babies. If the way DeSantis wants our abortion laws to be, where you cannot do it at all, it would mean that automatically if I ever got pregnant by my husband, accidentally somehow, we would automatically have to choose that I'm going to die once that baby is born. I won't make it through labor. Okay. Do you mind sharing why? I have um, different autoimmune disorders, different diagnoses. My, my biological parents locked me in a closet from birth until almost three years old. I'm so sorry. I weighed just over 10 pounds. I barely survived. I'm a motivational speaker for child abuse awareness, so I've told the story a lot. That's why composure. Yes. But it's because of all of these health issues, What each time I got pregnant, my body just broke down more and more and more, and I was struggling with... If I get too hot, my legs give out and I can't even walk. Okay. Like just all these different things. And they told me pregnancy makes it so much worse for you. Your body doesn't handle the influx of hormones, all the different things. So at this point, if I ever did, we'd have to choose me or a baby. Okay. I and DeSantis doesn't want you, me to be allowed to make that choice for myself. His logic is we have to have every baby because 
there's a better option than abortion. There's foster care. Okay, I was a foster kid. I went through many homes and I was abused and treated terribly by plenty of foster parents. It doesn't, that's not a guarantee for a great home for a kid. And you're not- Good morning, everybody. How are you? What are we protesting here today? Yeah, we're just basically uh, protesting to be fucking protesting. But the next one is a beautiful, beautiful little montage. It's a lady that eventually recanted this and said it looked like a white guy because she came across racist, racist. And liberals talking about how they live in war zones because of the policies that they voted for and the crime they now live with. I'm literally shaking right now. I was just getting groceries and I live in San Francisco and I never really feel fully safe. If you live in San Francisco, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And I just got groceries. I'm walking out of the store and this guy is walking past me 
and says, move you stupid bitch. And he spits in my face, spits all over my face. And then I say, excuse me, did you just spit in my face? And he says, move or I'll rape you. There's also people everywhere and everyone's just walking by because they're like, I can't handle something else in San Francisco. It's always something else. I don't even know why I'm posting this. If you live in San Francisco, do you feel this way all the time? I don't feel safe ever. I literally never feel safe. It's better when it's daylight, but nighttime, no, not leaving my house. <laughs> I have spoken with the DC National Guard. And while I have to have more conversations with the chief police, which I have today, and the mayor and my colleagues, we have a long way to get there. We just know that police alone is not getting it done. And we are clearly in a war, in a war zone. If you, if you don't know you are in a war zone, then you haven't been here. Our government has to step up. Our police department has to step up. And our residents have to step up. We're tired of this shit. Yes. And enough is enough. enough right. Excuse my language, but I want to be quite frank. Mother freaking karma. Karma's the word. You know, they, they sit and talk about Southerners and how shitty we are and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, do we have crime? Sure, we got fucking crime. Everybody's got fucking crime. But the key point is we don't pass laws that literally ruin us. Um, we just don't. Sorry, my computer's acting like incredibly fucking weird right now. Um, it's probably <laughs> probably time for a refresh um i gotta i gotta upgrade ram so for my birthday present i asked the wife for a crucial 56 dollars crucial website sells uh 32 gigs which is the highest i can go to let's go through some um slides first because i'd like to once again, be aghast at uh, this. Skittles blast over new pro LGBTQ EIEIO packaging. Yeah. Can, Skitt can Skittles just like sell candy? Why do they have to inject this garbage? Your candy. Um, what is that? Is that actually. Wow, that's, that's pretty rough. Somebody used the Skittles to make a cake. Marv's company known for its confectionery items that manufacture such as Marv Bar, Snickers, Twix. It also produces non-confectionery snacks da, 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 or become. But now they uh, want to experience a rainbow. I guess. Um, yeah. That, uh, that makes sense. Um, CNN. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a break. I'm gonna restart the damn computer. <laughs> Be right back. All right, sorry about that. That was just fucking crazy. Um, CNN goes into the pronoun business. Uh, tries to turn leaf into noun self neo pronouns. Zer zer zher ear. Again, Barron implored people to take this list seriously. Neopronouns should be used and respected like any other pronoun. Another article serves of a guide to neopronouns. They did a whole article on it. And online, I, <sighs> fuck, it's so fucking stupid. It fucking kills me. Because when you really get down to the nitty gritty 
70% Gallup adults say trans athletes should not be allowed to compete in sports team that corresponds to the sex they were signed at birth, according to a new report from Gallup. All the data points to us normals going, no. Just like when the Latinos rejected Latinx, whatever the fuck that is. Here is uh, our government money, or our taxpayer money, MP-fucking-R, literally just, (laughs) what the fuck is that title? He got murdered because he voked. There's actually no proof of that. It's horrible, but there's no proof. Um... But our media is so into this shit. Here is a soundbite from CNN that now that the Red Cross has reversed themselves because they buckled to the pressure that um, we're all going to get AIDS or monkeypox because we're going to let everybody give blood. And I don't say that mean or homophobic. If you got a tattoo, you can't give blood, folks. Starting today, the Red Cross has updated its guidance on who can donate blood. The new rules will allow more gay and bisexual people to donate. It comes three months after the FDA relaxed decades-old restrictions that officials said were aimed at protecting against the spread of HIV. Seen a medical correspondent, Meg Terrell, is here. Such a big change, so important. A lot of people will say way too late. Mm -hmm. Long time coming. Other countries have been way ahead of us. They have been, and this has been an extremely long process. But the Red Cross starting this today is extremely significant because they account for 40% of the U.S. blood supply. And the Red Cross itself calls this one of the most significant changes to uh, the blood uh, banking history, the most significant changes in blood banking history. But as you mentioned, this has been a long time coming. I mean, it was 1985 when the lifetime ban on gay uh, male donors went into effect, and that was in the you know the height of fear around HIV and AIDS. It wasn't until 2015 that they even dialed that back to still a one-year period of required abstinence before donating. During COVID, they shortened that to three months. And then finally this year, they unified these rules for everybody. And so really what this does <clears throat> is it makes the questions based on individual risk uh, rather than sexual orientation. This brings the U.S. into step with other countries like the U.K. and Canada. Uh, and, and of course, this is uh, risk-based questions. Uh, not based on who somebody is. And there are still some exceptions, though, right? There are. And, uh, you know, the uh, LGBTQ plus community is still calling this, you know, stigmatizing. So uh, some of the exceptions are based on sexual history. There are also exceptions based on use of uh, antiviral drugs to prevent HIV infection because uh, the FDA says that that could lead to false negatives in terms of screening out HIV. Uh, But, you know, uh, GMHC, which is an HIV AIDS service organization, say that this still perpetuates stigma uh, that we've been seeing with these. That is just fucking garbage. It is just fucking garbage. That is a new news organization. Because that's far left shit. That's the crazy shit like in California where you can't, uh, you don't get busted for not telling somebody you have fucking AIDS. And that that should be like a crime. Should be a crime. 
Unless I check, should be a crime, but we're we're not calling it a crime, and I I don't understand. I just really don't. Um, let's see. Lewis Elliott, if you believe in truth, but people believe people can change sex, you don't believe in truth. If you believe in safety, but believe that men who want to be women should be in women's prisons, you don't believe in safety. If you believe in fairness, but believe men who want to be women should play sports in women category, you don't believe in fairness. You believe in honesty, but tell little kids she can be a boy, you don't believe in honesty. If you believe in dignity, but believe men who want to be women should be allowed in a changing room, then you don't believe in dignity. You believe in science, but believe a man who wants to be a woman is a woman, you don't believe in science. You believe in respect, but don't believe women have the right to require some female-only spaces. You don't believe in respect. You believe in diversity, but only believe the views that align with yours are allowed. You don't believe in diversity. And if you believe in kindness, but attack and call people you disagree with, Nazis and other slurs, you don't believe in kindness. If this is you. You're a hypocrite. And I wish I had a soundbite for that. Because that's gold. That, that's... That's just fucking gold, man. I mean, seriously. I I wish no ill on transgender kids, transgenders. I feel for them. That's got to suck, man. You know, I've, I've had depression and survivor guilt and a smidge of PTSD in my life, but I never had to f- wrestle the bear that I don't even think I'm the sex I am or I don't belong in my body. That, that would suck. But yeah, we don't all have to come into your delusion, dude. We just, we don't. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. I think the batteries are dying on my laptop, so we're going to um, we're going to fix that. Hold on a second. I don't understand how that... Yeah, that's that's what it is. These old fucking batteries. And they're AAA, so I'm going to have to go get some fucking AAAs. Uh, This is Representative Cori Bush uh, once again going off about uh, you know uh, Michael Brown and uh, I think we already know that he was a liar. NPR, new cultural idiocy, how racism became a marketing tool for company music. They won't let it go, that stuff at all. Time, I'm just going to go to things I can't screen anymore. Time unloads 3,500 words on a 13-year-old mom denied an abortion in Mississippi. And that is just, that just, that fucking sums it all up, don't it? It's like 100% sums it up. That's who they be. And it's really fucking sad. The point of the story should be what, boys and girls? Why is a 13-year-old pregnant? I thought Obama said everybody gets free birth control. Yeah. So to uh, our lighter fare today, as promised, it is Joe and Nick's journey. You can find it on YouTube. My wife found it. About five different people. It is so fucking entertaining. So I'm going to play uh, just like four minutes of it because it gives the demographics and things, and it's really, really interesting. All right, everyone. I am in rural Arkansas. I'll show you where here on the map. 
I'm kind of in the middle of the state, north. You can see Little Rock directly to the south, Memphis to the east. I'm in a town called Calico Rock. It's got some interesting numbers, this town, that I'm going to tell you about. But first, I'm going to go to a town right next to it, East Calico Rock. Uh, and this is a actual genuine ghost town. Now they build this ghost town as being a part of Calico Rock, but it was its own town at one point. I'm going to drive into it, just kind of slowly cruise in and let you see it because uh, visually it's pretty arresting. The, um, the town was once flourishing, late 1800s, late, uh, or early 1900s, a rail center, agriculture, mining. Um, it was also a wild town, a lot of debauchery, a hive of scum and villainy, a place where brothels, and uh, saloons flourished. A wild town with a lot of murders, gunfights, knife fights. Eventually, a lot of this industry moved out and uh, the town died. Now, the town that I was just in right next to it is still here. But uh, this ghost town, it is completely dead. Um, the city, instead of tearing it down, the next, the city next door, East uh, Calico Rock, let me get it spit out. Instead of doing that, they just decided to uh, leave the town here, let it become a a tourist attraction, which is exactly what it kind of has become. It's kind of far off the beaten path here. I don't know if a lot of people know about it, but. Uh, yeah, let me go back down in there. Jennings Mortuary. You stab them, we slab them. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, a lot of these buildings have been sitting empty for over a hundred years. That's pretty evident. Anyway, I want to take a little bit of a drive through, see what we can find. I know that uh, there are people that live on the edge of it. You can see a house over there. So I'm just going to uh, show you what it looks like. Anyway, roads are not very wide. I've noticed that. All right, to our This Is America in 2023, I don't say anymore. Here is CBS. People are letting the guards down. We should all go back to COVID masks. Yeah, no shit. This is America. Don't get your 
slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. The U.S. is seeing an increase in COVID cases. Nobody wants to hear that. Hospitalization rates, they are up more than 12% in the most recent week surveyed by the CDC. And in a sign of what could be ahead, COVID has been found in a rising number of wastewater samples. The virus is usually detected in wastewater up to a week before people start actually testing positive. CBS News medical contributor, that's Dr. Celine Gounder, is with us. She's editor-at-large for public health at KFF. Good morning to you, Dr. Celine. You know, people are going, enough already. We are so ready to move on. Mm -hmm. It's been a long time since I've even really even thought about COVID, but why are the cases going up and where? Well, it's a combination of people letting down their guard. I think a lot of people think, oh, we were in this bunker during the pandemic. Yes. It's going to go away when I come out. And unfortunately, it is still there. So just because you think you're done with COVID doesn't mean that virus is not still circulating. Letting our guard down how? Well, we're not masking as much, for example, in public transportation. So on the plane, I'm not on masking the anymore. Should we? Should we? Well, if you're in a crowded indoor I... public space, you mm -hmm. might want to in certain situations, particularly as we go into the fall winter season mm -hmm. and where we're seeing go, it go up the most right now is in the Midwest. Now these hospitalizations are increasing. Um, how severe are these cases? They are, uh, on average, not more severe right now. If okay. you look at sort of ICU uh, admissions, they're pretty stable. Okay. Um, but where we have seen an increase in ICU hospitalizations, it's really in parts of the country where we have long-standing health disparities. Mm. The people who are ending up in the hospital or in the ER, they're two particular age groups. You have infants zero to one, who we know are very under-vaccinated. Less than 5% of those are vaccinated. And then people over 75, even if you have previously been vaccinated, that group really... These people are fucking insane, just insane, just insane. Moody's, the typical American household, spent $709 more in July than they did two years ago to buy the same goods and services, according to Moody's Analytic. And that was reported by CNN, and I played you a shitload of side bites of CNN saying inflation's bullshit, buying economics is the greatest thing ever, and life is fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I got it. Huge uh, house investigation in Arizona. This is going to be hard to see because I got it in a little picture. Today, Arizona Capital Oversight is releasing exclusive emails from Katie Hobbs' office. Hobbs' government staff censored her political opponents while she campaigned as Arizona governor, including Arizona GOP in August 22, for saying she didn't deserve a promotion. Anybody surprised by that? Well, you shouldn't be, because... Nice segue, Tony. Um... <laughs> Here is the Twitter CEO, all right, bragging about silencing people for advertisers. So if you're going to post something that's illegal or against the law, you're gone. Zero tolerance. But more importantly, if you are going to post something 
that is lawful, but it's awful, you get labeled. You get labeled, you get de-amplified, which means it cannot be shared, and it is certainly demonetized. Back to your direct point about brand brands, yeah. brand safety. So they are protected from the risk of being next to that content. And it's also why uh, it's really important to note that once a post is labeled and it can't be shared and the user sees that 30% of the time, they take it down themselves. Staggeringly, they take it down. And that reducing that hateful content from being seen is one of the best examples how X is committed to encouraging healthy behavior online. And today, I can confidently sit in front of you and say that 99.9% of all posted impressions are healthy. How do you define healthy, though? Is porn healthy? Are conspiracy theories healthy? You know, it goes back to my point about our success with freedom of speech, not reach. And if it's, if it is lawful, but it's awful, it's extraordinarily difficult for you to see it. But how many millions of people follow Kanye West? Lawful, but awful. And he's allowed back on. You know, Kanye, who hasn't rejoined the platform yet, but is planning to do so, um, will operate within the very specific policies that we have established, that we're clear on, that everyone who's watching this or listening on spaces can access themselves. And we have an extraordinary team. And that sums it all up, my friends. That sums it right up. Nothing has changed. We think things have changed. We've wanted things to change. We've thought that, you know, hey, you know, it's, it's freaking a good guy behind the helm. But nothing is going to change. We are going to have the same problems that we've always had because we don't have a media. Nobody is calling them out and saying... You can't do that. We can't have different standards. We can't have different laws. None of this will make our country function. It'll do the opposite, opposite of that because people aren't stupid. People see what is happening and they're getting to the point where they're like, okay, fuck it. Part of that's what they want. They want us to say fuck it. They want us not to fucking participate in the system. They'll just get their voters in and everything and be great. But folks, we're about to go into another election cycle where one party is going to rig the fuck out of it. We all know it. It is, it's going to happen, and there's nothing we can do to change it, because we can all go vote, but they're just going to do the same things they always do. They are going to stop the count, manufacture votes. It's probably been happening all along. We just never knew it. We just never knew it.
but it, it's happening. And they're going to rig this, and they're going to win again. Biden's going to be president of the United States, and he can't even function as a human, let alone the president of the United States. Um, and that's scary. You know, to, to be quite honest, uh, to be bipartisan on this, I don't want Trump because I don't think he can function, and I damn sure don't want Biden, but that's what we're going to be stuck with. And we will continue to be this stasis of problems. Don't get solved. It'll never get solved. Now, I was talking to a guy the other day, and, and one of our root problems is my entire life we've argued about the same fucking shit. And they purposely don't fix it because if they fixed it, they couldn't camp on it, paint on it, and they couldn't make money off it. So they keep the border fucked, and they keep all these issues going. And like dumbasses, we let them. It's just... It's fucking unbelievable. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share this with your family and friends. Go to SoundCloud Flyover Politic with a K, Rumble 482467, and go to FOPPodcast.gmail.com to email me. Um, I'm over Wednesday again, so we're going to go with the 23rd of August, year of our Lord, 2023. This time I won't miss it. Feeling a little better, just some pills. Um, it's it's going to probably be the rest of my life. So I, I got to learn to function. So I will. But as always, I thank you all for listening and you take care. Every death is a tragedy, y'all. It's seven lives.